Welcome to MBA Podcaster, the only broadcast source for cutting edge information and advice on the MBA application process. I'm Heidi Pickman. You've done your research and you have a short list of schools. Now you're working on your applications. You've slaved over your essays, transcripts, recommendations, and GMAT scores are on their way. All that's left is to attach your resume. Make sure you've thought good and hard about it. Today's podcast is titled MBA Resumes, How to Build the Best Applicant Resume. In this podcast, admissions deans and a consultant give you solid advice on putting together your resume. Some of the issues they'll address include writing style, format, what categories to include, and how to treat side projects. The aspect of the resume that makes it the easy part of your application is that once it's done, it's done, and you can use it for every application. The not-so-easy part is that, as with the rest of your application, you want it to shine and highlight your experience and tell your story. Support for MBA Podcaster comes from the GMATCH Virtual MBA Fair. Imagine meeting top business schools from around the world in one place and from the comfort of your computer wherever you are. Imagine being able to talk with MBA admission staff, alumni, and students under one virtual roof. Imagine being able to have your questions answered about business school, entrance requirements, curriculum, or anything you want to know about an MBA. Imagine no more. On November 22nd and 23rd, join GMATCH, the virtual MBA fair which brings together leading business schools from Asia, Europe, and North America online over two days. Brought to you by the people who own the GMAT exam, the GMATCH virtual MBA fair has all the features of a live MBA fair, enabling you to connect with schools the world over via live chat or webcam. Don't miss this free opportunity to meet with the world's leading business schools. Register today at www.gmatch.com. GMATCH Virtual MBA Fair, putting you in front of the right people. Christine Sneva is the Assistant Director of Admissions and Financial Aid Director at the Johnson School at Cornell University. Sneva says the resume is one of the most important parts of the application. It tells a lot about you, so you need to be sure it is very clear, concise, and highlights the most important pieces to your story. When you are looking at your resume, if you only had one minute to introduce yourself, what are some of the things you would say? Vicki Duran is the Associate Director of MBA Admissions at the University of Texas at Austin's Macomb School of Business. Duran says the resume is an integral part of the application. We'd like to see on paper, on the resume, through the essays, through the whole application, what has this a person accomplished and who are they? So a lot of that comes through on the resume. What, whatever they believe is really going to give us insight into what they're going to bring to the program that's going to enhance the experience and the learning of their peers in the classroom. And in many cases, because we only get to know applicants on paper, if we haven't met them on the road or they haven't been to campus for a class visit or to interview with us, then that's all we have to go by is what they have written uh, through their resume and also on their essays. Kelly Scott is the Senior Associate Director of MBA Admissions at the Marshall School of Business, University of Southern California. She explains why clarity is so important. 
the longer it takes for us to figure out what you're trying to say, that's just that's more time we're spending. And the more concise you are, the more quickly we can get to the crux of understanding what your experience is. Because here's the thing, too. Think about the resume kind of as your calling card to the interview. Because once we get to the interview, if we have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out your resume, then that probably tells you that your resume is, is not written very well or not in a very clear format. And then once you get to that interview level, then we can talk about more about your aspirations, more about other things versus trying to figure out what exactly were you doing when. So a clear resume is important. Let's get started and build it. Jeremy Scheinwald is the founder, president of MBA Mission. I, th I think the most important thing for candidates to consider when they create their resume is that less is more. Uh, the resume has to be very, very easily scannable. So someone needs to be able to pick up on visual cues and get answers that they might not even realize that they've been seeking. So not having a cluttered resume where you put in every single detail of your entire professional, personal, community life is actually important and something that a lot of candidates um, you know, resist unnecessarily. A good place to begin whittling down information is with an outline, says Christine Sneva. My advice is to outline all of the information you believe is important to include in your resume on a separate document. Create a format and then pull together the most important information on your list. When you see what is left over, is it necessary? You don't need to say everything about you. Hopefully a lot of that extra additional information and more will come through in an interview if, if depending on the school, if they invite you for an interview. But really include only what is necessary to convey uh, professional experience, your affiliations, and your qualifications in addition to your bio and education. If you're able to add significant accomplishments or even your personal interests, I really do think that that is a really nice touch, um, especially a personal touch that you can add to your resume. But don't feel like you have to add this kind of information. Only do it if there's space. Sneva's advice has an added benefit. Once you do this, look at your outline and what you have not included is maybe something that you want to uh, put somewhere else in your application. You know, we're always talking about this holistic view of looking at files. Um, and I think candidates get really confused. How do they use an optional essay? What do they need to include you know, in another essay that maybe wasn't um, touched on in another part of their application? Well, this is a good way to sort of uh, start narrowing down how you want to really spread yourself out in that application. But the optional essay is a subject for another podcast. One of the elements you might want to think about including in your outline is any international experience. It's not necessary, and if you don't have it, you shouldn't feel at a disadvantage. But if you have it, great. Scheinwald has some great examples of how to include that information and where. If you're you know, in L.A. and you're working with the Tokyo team, even if you haven't visited Tokyo, you're still, you're still having an international experience because you're, you're working with them on a daily basis. Um, so a lot of people have international experience and, and don't even realize it. In terms of showing it on your resume, you know, if you, if you have it, certainly I think it's a positive. Offer, uh, you know, specific bullets or obviously if you were stationed somewhere, it can come across in, in the information you offer via your location. If it's on the personal side, you, know, you can mention, um, you know, visited 41 different countries. Uh, highlights include summiting Mount Kilimanjaro. Our consultant, Scheinwald, continues with how to structure your resume. Start with professional experience, obviously the most recent first, and, you know, go through all relevant positions, 
and try to show, try to break up your resume, even if you've been in the same firm and, and have been promoted, again, we're talking about visual cues, try and break it up for each position. That way you can show progress from step to step. After your professional experience, um, you might want to include a brief section on community leadership, uh, and then you can put in your academic experience, or uh, you can flip-flop those and put your academic experience first and then put your community and personal at the end. It really depends on the nature of the significance. If it's quasi-professional, uh, you've been a board member, let's say, of a, of a community organization, you can certainly put it uh, after your work experience. Some people will, after their community experience and their, and their uh, professional experience, will put a small personal section uh, with a few quirky, potentially um, you know, even humorous uh, hobbies, activities to give their resume some personality. And that's, that's really the main structure. And there's a standard preference for order of your experience that Kelly Scott explains. The key is chronological order. Um, I think what slips some candidates up is sometimes there are they're in industries where they need to put a skills-based resume together, or they need to get long personal statements. And what they really need to do is kind of look at the basic business format of resumes, which is chronological, not based on projects and skill sets. So that's really what can bring the attention to an admissions officer very quickly. One way to give visual cues that Shinewan mentioned is to use bullet points. Vicki Duran says that a resume is easier to read with bullet points, and she gives a writing tip on how to make those points effective. We like to see results-oriented phrases. Led a five-member team to develop an internal waste recycling project resulting in and then giving the results of that. Uh, so that's why we like to see the bulleted items and you know, using action verbs, I would say, at the start of those sentences. So whether it's managed, designed, initiated, developed, led, supervised, words like that. Scheinwald says definitely don't be passive and use words like participated in or joined. And he gives an example of a good bullet point. You want to show your specific action followed by specific results. And so... I was a speechwriter for an ambassador for a few years. And if I were to say to you, wrote speeches for ambassador, it would have no impact. You have no additional knowledge of what I've done. But if I were to say to you, um, I would choose a very deliberate action, researched and wrote more than 50 speeches, greetings, and toasts, comma, and then follow it up with a result, uh, five of which were published in the Washington Post, you would have a sense of, my action and the, res the consequent results of those actions, which validate the actions. The publications validate the speech writing. A resume can include a lot of information, and guess what? It needs to fit on one page. Yes, one page. Just listen to our guests. Typically, a resume is really only one page or a business resume. You know, it is a marketing tool, and the, and the candidate wants to get the attention of the admissions officers as fast as possible. So the best resumes are a one-page chronological summary of all of their professional and educational experience to date. I was actually at the AGAC conference recently, and someone asked the question about two-page resumes, and um, the AGAC, the Association of International Graduate Admissions Consultants, and one of the panelists who was an admissions officer uh, joked and said, all together now, and all eight, all eight uh, admissions officers said, 
one page, all in unison. The key here is scannability. You want the, the, the reader to get key facts, and the reader will get bogged down in minutiae and just skip over it. In my opinion, you'd rather offer 75% and have a person get that 75% than offer 100% and have that person skip over and get 25% or 50%. So less is definitely more. But as Vicki Duran points out, there's always the exception to the rule. The resumes will be more or less the same, except with the executive MBA program, because those applicants typically have about 8 to 15 years of work experience, they're not going to be able to do that very concisely on one page. So they will probably have two pages. If you're applying for a part-time program, no such luck with the two pages. Here's Marshall Scott. But for a full-time part-time Average age is still about 28, five years of experience. It should be a basic one-page chronological. Readability, scannability are part of why admissions directors like a one-page organized resume. But Sneva says that there's another reason. You know, we see a lot of resumes that sort of look like um, what people would view a CV resume or a resume that's really um, catered to a specific industry um, that has some information that we don't necessarily need. And so what we're looking at is a three, four, five, sometimes even more pages uh, of a resume where after page one, you're sitting there thinking, okay, this is not the information we need from a resume. You know, if I'm going to go to uh, an alumni or if I'm going to go to a current student or someone in their career management center and discuss this candidate, I can't even bring this information to them because I can't even get through all of this information just to say, this is, this is X candidate, this is the experience they have, this is really what they want to do. Well, tell me more about that experience when they're be, being so in-depth and so specific about what they're doing. It's really not the goal of what you're trying to do for a business resume and also for uh, a resume in your MBA applications. Okay, bears repeating. One page. And just in case you're having trouble getting your resume down to one page and are thinking about tiny fonts, Scheinwald has a warning. Generally, two pages is not okay, and you shouldn't make the, your font very small. You certainly can uh, work with your fonts and work with your margins, um, but you have to use judgment in terms of editing yourself so that you're not getting to the point where someone is going to get bogged down, frustrated, and move on. So no small fonts. It's recommended to use a minimum of a 10 or 12 point font. Are there other ways to save space? Scheinwald says yes. You don't need to put three or four lines of your address, uh, your email address, your phone number, etc. on this resume because it's not like you're walking into a job interview where you're going to hand someone the resume and hope that they hold on to that and use it to call you back and they can lose it forever. Uh, so this is, you know, it's part of your application. They're not going to call you via your resume. They've got all the information in their database, and, um, and that's valuable space that you can save. So name and then maybe a line and get right to the professional, uh, your, your professional entries. UT's Duran confirmed the space saver. It's fine as long as their name is listed on there because we have all of their other contact information on their application. Uh, sometimes it's easier for us to see their cell phone number on the resume as well, but it's certainly not a critical factor and, and that would have no bearing on a decision one way or another. One issue that might come up while you're trying to make your one-page chronological business resume is what if you have a side project? 
What if you were doing some consulting for a friend after hours or starting your own business? Should you include that information? Absolutely. But how? Duran gives a good rule of thumb. If they've been involved in helping someone with doing a startup or launching a website or something like that, and they feel that that's going to enhance their application or demonstrate to us another set of skills that will help them with their career goals, again, based on what those career goals might be, then I would say to go ahead and include that information within the body of their work experience section. But if they feel that it's just something that stands out for them or adds another dimension to who they are and that they just want to share that information with us and they feel it's still applicable, then I would include that in that sort of additional section they put at the bottom of their resume. Sneva explains the value of including those significant, meaningful side projects. So if you have a full-time job at, you know, a certain company, that's something you're going to want to make sure that you're listing first. And then we're going to continue to follow down that resume and say, oh, look, this is something that they started, you know, a year ago and looks like they're still doing that. It looks like something that they're doing uh, while they're working full-time, and in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is something I'd want to ask this applicant in an interview, and that's the good thing. That's really showing you actually a really good resume is when I'm coming out with questions that sort of make the applicant very, um, you know, interesting, and I'm very intrigued by this applicant. Now, all of a sudden, I'm saying, you know, this is somebody that um, has a little bit more depth to them. We really want to bring them in for some questions. If you want to include a side project in your professional experience, make sure to label it appropriately. For example, external consulting project. Also, take care not to confuse the reader by going all over the place chronologically. And remember, the resume is part of the whole application. Some things, like a side project or a gap in your resume, might be better portrayed in another space like the optional essay, which can explain gaps or quirks or anticipate questions that admissions committees might have about your experience. It's really important to explain those gaps because they send a certain signal and lead the admissions officers, like Vicki Duran, to form their own story about you. Gaps in employment and job hopping are things that sort of send up red flags for us. We would hope that if someone is doing quite a bit of job hopping or they haven't worked in a couple of years, that they use their optional essay to explain that to us so that we're not making up stories in our own mind about what happened with this applicant or why they've moved around so much. Gaps in your employment have already occurred. You can explain them, but you can't change them now. What are some of the things that you can change or put another way? What are the things that you shouldn't do on your resume? And what should you do instead? USC Scott. I've seen people who've used very flowery fonts. You kind of want a very basic font that's very clear. And Scheinwald says that a laundry list of your responsibility is a real problem and kind of meaningless. He offers a made-up example of what not to do and how to fix it. Responsible for all marketing presentations and client interactions during a major uh, period of client acquisition for firm. And we have no sense of exactly who the client was and what you achieved. Whereas, you know, if you could deliberately write presented the Scheinwald proposal uh, to the board of MBA mission, comma, project accepted within uh, four hours of presentation. UT's Duran has a particular pet peeve that she's seen on a few resumes. When an individual is 
speaking in the third person on a resume. So they're writing it, their resume, project experience, or work experience in a paragraph format, and they're speaking about themselves using their name, like Mr. Smith has completed this project, and so they're speaking in the third person. So that is not good. And Scott says, be careful of creative formatting. For instance, I've seen an engineering resume where he decided to divide the page in half, and it was just two block halves of information that almost looked like a newspaper page. And it took some time to kind of weed through all of that creativity to figure out, wait a minute, this is he started here, and this is where he went next, and then he actually got a promotion here. I mean, it took a time to get that. Sneva says, while a typo is a forgivable human mistake, it does send a signal. They either are producing a very sloppy application, they don't care about um, our school well enough to make sure that they have edited and edited and looked over every possible detail, um, and maybe they're just not very detail-oriented and organized. The more positive things that you can put forward, you know, then you're not leaving us to our own assumptions of who you are. Kelly Scott says the MBA candidate pool seems to be getting younger, and this brings up a specific problem that the millennial generation candidates should avoid. You have to think about their lives as it is right now. We read about, you know, in high school, they're booked up every minute. They've got soccer. They've got this. They're in organizations. Parents are carting them all over the place, and that's just part of what this generation has learned and grown up with. And for them, those are accomplishments. Those are achievements, and it's great for getting into undergrad. But once they get to the level of MBA programs, or at least top MBA programs out there, you know, it's good to see that you're active, but we're hoping you have taken that activity into your college life and beyond so you don't have to talk about what you did in high school. So Scott recommends trying to remain current in what they're doing because what I've seen lately is candidates who tend to put a lot of high school information, which it's not necessary unless you've gone to some high visibility high school like a Bronx Science or Exeter and you were a valedictorian or national merit finalist. So write about your most recent jobs, what you did, what you accomplished, but don't list your stint flipping burgers between your sophomore and junior year in high school. That's what not to do. Let's go to the other extreme and talk about how to make your resume stand out. The most obvious is result-oriented experience. Vicki Duran says unique experiences that show leadership and results stand out. We've had astronauts and rocket scientists in the program. That's different. That's interesting. Uh, we like to see a progression in their the scope of their job and their responsibilities uh, over a number of years. Certainly that demonstrated leadership, and that can come out in the form of you know, being on a board of a nonprofit, leading a, a project, volunteer work. Certainly our military applicants have quite a few examples of leadership. If someone's pursuing, say, the entrepreneurial concentration, the fact that they've already been involved in a startup, um, and even people that are working in, you know, say, an engineering job, but on the side, you know, we've seen applications from people that have started a restaurant on the side while they're working another regular full-time job. So just something interesting about that person that's going to stand out and, and make them a little bit different than other applicants. And Sneva has a not-so-obvious example. We see so many resumes that don't follow simple rules that when you do have one that's just very clear and simple, 
that's actually the one that does stand out. <laughs> that's the one that actually does look very special. In the past, I have seen resumes that gave me exactly what I needed to know about the candidate, and I could also tell you what they wanted to do just by looking at that resume. Um, interestingly, they also left me with questions about certain instances that made me very curious about this individual. Um, that is someone I really want to meet. That is someone I really want to interview if I haven't met them already, which makes them do stand out in a way. Um, after all, you know, that's really the goal of a resume is getting to the interview to showcase and articulate what that resume says and come to life over a conversation. Support for MBA Podcaster comes from the GMATCH Virtual MBA Fair. Imagine meeting top business schools from around the world in one place and from the comfort of your computer wherever you are. Imagine being able to talk with MBA admission staff, alumni, and students under one virtual roof. Imagine being able to have your questions answered about business school, entrance requirements, curriculum, or anything you want to know about an MBA. Imagine no more. On November 22nd and 23rd, join GMATCH, the virtual MBA fair which brings together leading business schools from Asia, Europe, and North America online over two days. Brought to you by the people who own the GMAT exam, the GMATCH virtual MBA fair has all the features of a live MBA fair, enabling you to connect with schools the world over via live chat or webcam. Don't miss this free opportunity to meet with the world's leading business schools. Register today at www.gmatch.com. GMATCH Virtual MBA Fair, putting you in front of the right people. The goal of this podcast was to give you plenty of information to assemble the best resume that you can, and I do believe we've succeeded. For an example of a resume or more MBA information, to find a transcript of the show or to register for your bi-weekly MBA podcast, visit mbapodcaster.com. Join us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube to get the latest news and insight in the world of business school. This is MBA Podcaster. I'm Heidi Pickman. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in next time when we explore another topic of interest in your quest for an MBA. MBA.